I'm sure many dads will enjoy uh, receiving a Father's Day cards, greetings from your uh, children, your family, and friends. And I'm sure your children will take you out for a meal or also get you a gift, and, and it will be a wonderful celebration this weekend for uh, all the dads. Uh, as you know, Mother's Day is more uh, the greater the celebration, but Father's Day is rather quiet, you know, in many places. Uh, but thank God for GT, we have a great celebration here today. Uh, with this wonderful celebration going on uh, this weekend, I would like to take time to reflect on the legacy a father should leave behind. Uh, though this message is specifically for to all the dads, uh, but we can also relate it to uh, each one of you. Calling God our Father reminds us that we are His children. And being a dad is indeed a great privilege. A Christian dad has the opportunity to reflect the relationship God the Father has with His children. And as an earthly father does this, he's entering into a role in which he's able to teach and instruct his children in the ways of the Lord. This is the kind of legacy a Christian dad should leave behind. And today, uh, I've entitled my message as, What kind of legacy do I want to leave behind? Everyone leaves a legacy, whether they want it or not. The question is, what is the legacy you want to leave behind? Legacy is not leaving something for people. It's leaving something in people. Let me repeat that. Legacy is not leaving something for people. It's leaving something in people. Let's pray. Father, I just give thanks to you, Lord, for this wonderful day of celebration that we can worship our good, good Father. We pray that, Lord, even as I share your word today, Lord, we pray that you will bless, you will anoint the hearers, anoint your servant, Lord, that the word will not return empty, but it will accomplish all that you purpose in the lives of your people. We commit the rest of this time to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The text for this morning is taken from 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. Don't, anyone, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. But set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. The Apostle Paul is writing to his uh, spiritual son, Timothy, who is a young pastor. And obviously, I think, uh, being a young pastor, uh, there would be uh, the older people, all the elders, looking down on, on, uh, on Timothy. So, Paul is writing to Timothy, don't worry about all the things that people will say about you. But you set an example to the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. So what uh, Paul is uh, saying to Timothy is basically live so that 
people can see your godly character. So that people can see the, your, the life that you are living. Set an example to the people around you. So today, are we making a difference in the lives of our children, grandchildren, employees, and even the people around us? Paul was trying to tell Timothy, his spiritual son, that it was important to have good character and to be godly. By God's design, the husband is the head of the household. He is the leader of the family. And this script, the scripture says that. Scripture makes it very clear that he is the one responsible for the success of the family, success of the marriage, and everything that takes place in the family. Besides taking care and providing for the daily needs of the family, what else does God require of a Christian father? As for me, no duty in my life is more important or more sacred than my role as husband and father. Everything else I do as a pastor or ministry leader would be compromised if I failed to lead my family in the ways of the Lord. Today, sadly, there's a lack of male leadership in the home. A man may be successful in the office. He may be a successful executive and a problem solver who comes up with all sorts of creative and innovative ways to make money for the company. Yet in the home, generally, many men are passive and indifferent. Though they may be physically present in the home, they are not actively engaged in the everyday dynamics of family life. Home is where the person's true character is most clearly on display. No one knows the real character of the father better than the wife and the children. If a father's public personality is different from home, the family will be the first to see that and they will know that he is merely an hypocrite. If this, if this happens, it will be very destructive to a child's moral and spiritual development. Today, be the right kind of example to your family and the people around you. And I'm sure this is a legacy you want to leave behind for generations to come. A godly life is the best teacher for people to imitate. They observe what you do. If you are a poor example, then you need to change. It is never, never too late. Today, I want to refer to a father in the Old Testament. His name was Eli, and he was a high priest in Israel. He died at the age of 98. He was a good man. He had no record of terrible sin. He did not drink. He did not steal. He did not lie. He did not commit adultery. He was a good man. 
He never divorced his wife. He never abused his children. You can read about Eli in 1 Samuel chapters 2 to 4. Eli had a deep love for the ark of God. He was a high priest in Israel. When Eli heard of the capture of the ark of God, he fell off his seat, broke his neck, he broke his neck, and he died. Yet Eli failed miserably, both as a father and as a priest. And God pronounced judgment upon Eli and his descendants. You can read that in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verses 27 to 36, chapter 3, verse 14. Why? Why did Eli fail miserably, both as a father and as a high priest? And here in verse uh, verse 30 of 1 Samuel chapter 2, uh, the scripture says, Those who honor me, I will honor. But those who despise me will be disdained. Eli despised the Lord. In verse 35 of the same chapter, God says, I will raise up for myself a faithful priest. Eli was not performing as a prince. He was not doing what he was supposed to do. And God had plans to replace him. Eli was unfaithful as a prince. So how did Eli despise the Lord? How was Eli unfaithful as a prince? The answer was, Eli was a very, very passive father. If you describe someone as passive, it means that they do not take action but instead let things happen to them. It involves watching, observing, just looking at things, but not doing anything about it, not taking corrective action. Eli tolerated his son's sins, and he failed to restrain them. 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 13. His sons were committing adultery, but Eli did not correct his sons. Eli was a good man. But he did not have enough spine, enough backbone to stand up to his sons and say, we aren't going to tolerate any more of this nonsense. Being passive as a father towards the things of God will harm you and your family. What do I mean by being passive? Being passive means having religion without an experience, without reality, without having an encounter with God. Eli was totally immersed in religion. He was a high priest. He was performing his duties and responsibilities. He was playing the role as a high priest. He worked at the tabernacle. He practically lived there. But the reality of walking with God was not present in Eli's life, unlike King David. You know, when you read about the, the Psalms, you see David enjoying the presence of God. You know, and he says, one thing have I desired of the Lord, that he wants to seek the Lord and 
be in his tabernacle, be in the presence of the Lord and enjoy the beauty of the Lord. And this is King David, but Eli was different. He did not have an experience with God. Eli was tolerant of personal and family sin. He was very harsh on the sins of others. When Eli thought Hannah was drunk at the door of the tabernacle, he reprimanded her. He scolded Hannah. But when his sons were committing adultery at the entrance of the tabernacle, he did not do anything about it. He kept quiet until the worshippers at the tabernacle complained to Eli, and then he seemingly scolded his sons, his two sons. Eli could not take action against his two sons because when they were young, I assume that he had not done anything to correct some of the mistakes and some of the things that were not right in their life. So that is the reason as they have now grown up and being priests in the temple, he was not able to do anything. He should have just removed them as priests, but he did not. The moment you stop obeying the word of God, you know that you are just playing the religion game. Nothing disappoints children more than to see their father who has a form of religion but does not walk his talk. And the scripture describes it, some people like that as having a form of godliness, but denying the power. You say that you have a relationship with God, but there's nothing in your life, nothing, the presence of God is not a reality. And people cannot see that God is in your midst. God is in your life. Because you are not living the life that God has asked us to live. When we have a relationship with God. And just like that, Eli did not have a real relationship with God. Nothing disappoints children. More than just seeing your father, you know, being hypocritical. If you do not assume responsibility for nurturing your own family, God will hold you accountable. So fathers, what should I do? You may ask. I would like to nurture and shepherd my family, but I don't know how. What do I do? Today, let me give you three pointers. There may be others, but let me just highlight three. Firstly, walk in personal reality with God. Walk in personal reality with God. What do I mean? Walk in a daily, vibrant relationship with God. Are you encountering God daily in your lives? Is God's presence real to you? Are you being transformed daily by the power of the Holy Spirit? Are you experiencing the power of resurrection in your life? Are you living an overcoming life? Are you victorious in the daily struggles that you go through? Can you find victory 
Does God speak to you? And do you read the word regularly? Are you a worshiper of God at home? It's not enough to tell your children God is great and worthy of our worship. You yourself must believe that. And it shows that you believe in the way you live. I have seen fathers telling their children, hey, you must pray half an hour. You must read the Bible, three chapters daily. But they themselves do not do that. So when, when parents, when fathers do not do that, the, when fathers do not set an example, how can you expect your children to imitate you? How can you expect your children to follow your ways? Fathers, as head of the home, are you punctual for church services? Are you faithful in church attendance? Do you... Do you miss church for the smallest reason? Let me go a little bit deeper. Is Wednesday corporate prayer a priority for you? And I know in the city, people are really busy. They leave home in the morning at 6.30, 7, and they get back at 8 p.m. And then, oh, Wednesday's corporate prayer. I think I'm a little bit tired. I need a break. I need a rest. I'm sure God understands. You know, sometimes we rationalize. But as fathers... When you begin to set an example and go for corporate prayer Wednesdays and believe that God is going to do something bringing, to bring change and whatever we pray on Wednesday night, God is hearing and He's going to answer. You know, we, uh, uh, we, 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 we pray for revival in Malaysia. We are praying for uh, transforming the next generation. We're asking God to do, to move. How can God move when the fathers are not moving? How can God do a great work when the fathers are not at the pyramid? So fathers, make Wednesday corporate prayer a priority. You may say, I am tired or I live very far away. There are people uh, who come for prayer meeting from KL. They work in Cyberjaya and they live in uh, Old Klang Road. But they still come for Wednesday corporate prayer. It's not that they are tired. It's not that they are uh, busy or there is, 
It's not that the traffic jam is causing them to delay their coming. It is because they have a hunger. There is a desperation in their heart for more and more of God in their life. And they want to meet God. And they want to believe God even as they pray. During the Wednesday corporate prayer, God will do something. You know, we, we are quick to testify of all the good things that God has done in our life. And we ought to testify. We ought to give glory to God for all the wonderful provision, the promotion, the miracles that He has done in our life, the healings that God has done. We need to do that. But where are you on Wednesday night? Fathers, set the pace so that your family can follow you. They can see that prayer is a priority. Prayer is important for you and for the church. When you go on a holiday as a family, do you make it a point to find a church to attend? Fathers, if you do not set an example for your children at a young age, then one day when your children are in college, walking closely with God and going to church will not be a priority for them. Secondly, the second point is teach your children the fear of the Lord. Proverbs 22 verse 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart from it. Train up a child in the way he should go. Men need to show leadership in the home by making sure that scriptures are being taught and that their children are walking in the ways of the Lord. It's good to send your children for all the different tuition classes, the art class, the dance class, the uh, swimming class, the uh, karate, uh, football, badminton. It's good. But are you making the same effort to teach your children the scriptures at home? Are you spending time with the children reading the Bible to them at a young age. Do not give them an overdose of all these classes at the expense of no time for God, no time for reading the Bible, no time for family altar. Uh, when I was very young, my father... He's not a Pentecostal. He's a, uh, an Anglican, the traditional Christian. But he made it a point to teach his family, to teach all of us children, the six, there were six of us in the family, six siblings. And every night, we had the family altar. Uh, those days, you know, uh, we couldn't afford even a chair, so we all had to sit on the floor and... And we all pray together. Father will read a portion of the scriptures. Uh, Psalm 23, Psalm 91, Psalm 90, Psalm 121, the scriptures. And, and then he will pray. He will lead us in prayer. And that, being a traditional Christian, today, 
we declare and we claim that we are Pentecostals, full of the Spirit. But we don't do the things that our parents used to teach us for those who come from Christian families. And he made it a point that every Sunday, you know, when we were even young, they would dress us up and, and take us to church. And even though it was a, a Methodist, a Chinese Methodist church in Port Dixon, we will go there every Sunday and every Saturday we will go for Sunday school. And when it's exam week, some, uh, some parents, some fathers tell their children to miss church the weekend before so as to stay at home to study. So what is the priority of parents nowadays? Straight A's seems to be more important than biblical and spiritual growth. Of course, we want our children to do well academic, academically. All of us as parents, uh, we want our children to do well. Uh, we, we need to because uh, that's a spirit of excellence that we want to uh, put in them, you see. Uh, but we also need to teach them God's word. And Proverbs 22 verse 15 says, Proverbs 22 verse 15 says, Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. But the rod of discipline or the rod of correction will drive it far from him. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. That means every child that is born into this world has already sinned in their life. Are sinners. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. But it's only the rod of correction can drive it away. The rod of discipline. Spare the rod and spoil the child. You know, there's a saying. Spare the rod and spoil the child. And some of us, parents, especially uh, mothers, will, uh, you, may, you may not like to discipline your, uh, your children. You don't like to see them crying, you know. Uh, but the scripture tells us, Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but it's only the rod of correction. I understand, like some children uh, may not even need discipline because uh, they are uh, gentle, they are quiet by nature. On, on Friday in the cell group, in one of the cell groups that I was in, uh, some, uh, some, uh, someone testified, a brother testified, in his uh, growing up years, his father never laid the cane on him. And today is an engineer. Uh, these are exceptions and not the norm, you see. Uh, most of us need caning. <laughs> when I was seven years old and we were living in Portington, and my father was a teacher, and, uh, and one day I, when my mom was not looking, I stole one dollar. Uh, those days, it was not a ringgit, but dollar. One dollar from my mother's uh, kitchen cupboard. And somehow, she found out that it was me who stole that money, not the other uh, five siblings. By nature, I am the quietest. But somehow, she suspected me and questioned me, and I had to confess. 
and she gave me a caning, gave me a hiding that till today I can even talk about it. I think after 50, 55 years, I can still remember. So, discipline in the right way, in the ways of the Lord, will not kill somebody, will not kill our children. Today, why do many uh, fathers and mothers struggle with their children when they are adults? Ch children, adult children are living in with their girlfriend and parents are not able to do anything because at that age, it's difficult, it's impossible to correct them. And they have been living in with their girlfriend, boyfriend for umpteen years without getting married. And these children have been brought up in a Christian home. And parents, fathers, mothers are struggling to deal with this issue. Eli had this problem too because he did not correct his children when they were young. Today, it breaks the heart of pastors and many of us, fathers or even, who are seeing this in their own home and struggling how to, to find a reason how to overcome this? How can my children do this? They have been taught in the ways of the Lord. They have been brought up in the ways of the Lord. But in, their old, in the latter years, they have gone astray. So we need to pray for our children. So fathers, encourage you, I encourage you to come for our Wednesday corporate prayer. Because when you come for Wednesday corporate prayer, when you come for a prayer meeting, there are people praying with you, for you, and you will be able to overcome the challenges in your life. You will not be alone facing that problem. We should not leave the responsibility of training our children training our children in the ways of the Lord or in the scripture to the kids' church teachers during weekends. The teachers in kids' church spend an hour and a half or two hours during the weekend. For the, but the rest of the 166 hours in a week, they spend with their family, their parents at home. So you cannot expect an overnight change for your children's life, in your children's life, in that one and a half, and, and there are parents, I've, I've heard this from my previous church, that uh, they question the kids' church teachers or the children's church teachers, how come my ch child's behavior is like this? Only after coming to kids' church, she or he is behaving like this. Before that at home, he's okay. <laughs> I think that is 
that is not true. It cannot be true because an hour and a half cannot change your child when the 166 hours, the rest of the 166 hours they spend at home, they have not learned much in Christian values. In fact, what they have learned at home, they should be coming to kids' church and helping the other children or transforming the lives of the other children. They should be setting an example. So fathers, you are the best person to lead your children to Christ. Eli's son did not know the Lord. In 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 12, it clearly says Eli's sons did not know the Lord. When our boys were growing up in the primary and lower secondary years, despite our busy schedule and our children's tuition, my wife and I made sure that our children were taught God's word first at home. We made them memorize scriptures. And going to church on Sundays was a priority. Uh, I'm glad today our son Joel and his uh, wife, uh, Celeste, they make it a point to take their children to church every Sunday. And even my, uh, when my, when my uh, granddaughter, one month old, when she was one month old, she was just uh, born about two months ago, when she was one month old, the parents made it a point to take her to church. They, what they have learned, they are also beginning to impart to, into their children's life. You can only teach your children when they are young. Try doing that when they, will, when they are in college and they will tell you off. And that will be the time when you will have to shed a lot of tears. Thirdly, the third point is dependence on the Holy Spirit. In all our doing, in, as a father, in all our uh, responsibilities as we carry as a, on as a father, the role that we play as father, we, you and I need to depend on the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 26, the first part of uh, verse 26 says this, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. The Spirit helps us in our infirmities. Is being a father tough? Yes, very good. Amen. <laughs> sure it is. Did I make mistakes as a father? So many. Ask my boys and they'll give you a list of my failures. But they are not here today. <laughs> so you can't ask them. But if you come for the second service, my whole family are coming. You will see them. Uh, then you can ask them. In the mistakes I made as a father, the Holy Spirit taught me to depend on God. To depend and make me a better father. When we desire to walk in God's way and make time for God, the Holy Spirit will be our teacher. And each day, 
as we depend on the Holy Spirit, He will enlighten us and show us which area we need to improve. And He will guide, He will direct, He will teach us as we depend on the Holy Spirit. Today, question is, are we depending on the Holy Spirit? Our eldest son is 30 years old. And the second one is 27. Joel and Jeremiah. Joel is a minor prophet. Jeremiah is a major prophet. <laughs> and the greatest joy we have as parents is not so much as seeing our children flourish in their career, but to love God and to walk in God's ways despite their busy work schedule. I would like to read to you what my eldest son wrote on Facebook on my ordination last October. This is nothing, this is not to boast or show off anything. Huh? Uh, in fact, only last night, uh, the PNP team, somebody asked me whether they could get something, a uh, picture. So he asked me for this. I would like to read to you what my eldest son wrote. There is there on the screen. Uh, these are his words. Growing up, dad always taught me that riches will pass away, but on, only God's word remains. Thank you for embedding the only one thing that matters for the rest of my life, a godly heritage. Love you and honor you. It's a stuff raising up children. Not easy. We had our own heartaches. Uh, there are times when our children were, were in, uh, in college, you know, they also, you know, went astray. Uh, so we are not actually perfect fathers also, you see. We have made, we have our share of uh, sorrows and also joy. There are times of joy and uh, times of sadness. They also went astray when they were in university, mixing with the wrong uh, company, so we every, but the the good part or the best part of it is, when they come back home, they will share. Uh, we communicate a lot, so in that way we were able to uh, teach and share the word of God uh, to them and help them through their difficult uh, moments. And when my son wrote this to me, I was so happy, you know, to hear that. And in some ways, we are glad that my wife uh, and I were able to impact the spiritual lives of our children. Truly, it was worth all the challenges we had to go through to raise our children. So, in conclusion, what kind of legacy do you want to leave behind? Today is Father's Day. The question is posed to you. And not only to you, but to each one of us. Whether we are a father or a mother or just an 
individual uh, believer coming here for service, whether you are even, uh, uh, even if you're not married, you're single. What kind of legacy do you want to leave behind? For fathers today, you may see yourself as a passive father, very indifferent to the things that is happening at home. You may be very indifferent. You may not be taking action against some things that your children are not doing correctly. And you may think, it's too late now. I've lost my children. They're all grown up. You know, uh, there's no way I can redeem them. But you can still do something by God's grace. It's never too late to seek God's forgiveness and actively to seek influence, to influence your children and even grandchildren. You still have time to leave a spiritual legacy. We thank God for all the fathers in our midst today. And we also thank God for all the spiritual fathers who have raised up spiritual sons and daughters, just like Apostle Paul who raised up Timothy as his spiritual son. I'm sure many, there are many spiritual fathers here, even spiritual mothers. You have raised up sons and daughters. The Lord bless you. Today, even as we reflect on these words, shall we stand and begin to look to the Lord and worship Him where you think you may have gone wrong. The Lord is there to just forgive and to help and to see you through. His grace is sufficient. His strength will be made perfect in all our weaknesses.